Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Glad you guys are here tonight uh, and excited to be kicking off a little mini-series on sexual purity. So this is uh, week one of two, and so I hope y'all will come back next week. It's going to be awesome. And how about that we're here tonight? Last week, the weather, you know, got us down, and... um, I love Missouri. Some people complain about like the fluctuation of weather, but like how awesome is it that you can have record low temperatures and then a week later we're hanging out outside. I see all y'all busting out your shorts already, but it's going to get cold again. So I just want you to know that. Uh, But uh, man, glad you're here. And like I said, we're going to be talking about sexual purity the next couple of weeks. And uh, I think that there's really two things that we could agree on when it comes to this topic. Uh, And maybe three things really. The first is that like we're talking talking about it. And, and sometimes there's maybe a little bit of awkwardness with it, but we're just going to dive into it. The second thing is this, is that I think most of you in here would say this, I would like to have healthy sexual relations in my life. Like that's something that I would long for. I want a healthy sexual relationship in my life. I think most people would say that's something that I would desire. And now on the flip side of that, I do believe this is that when it comes to sexual purity and the topic of uh, our sex life, is that some people in here probably, and, and really most of us, are carrying around some baggage and some shame when it comes to this topic. Maybe a little bit of heaviness. Maybe a little bit of when you think back about things that have happened in your life or things that you've done, you feel some shame and some weight, but I want you to just take a deep breath and I want you to just understand that like we're in this together. Okay, and, and I want you to understand that this isn't coming from a place of judgment, but what this message is coming from is a place of hope for your life. And that's awesome to understand that as we gather as a, as a group right here, that like this is something that we're asking God to work in our community to help us gain and maintain sexual freedom in our lives, to help us gain and maintain sexual purity in our lives. And So I think we have to address this topic, and here's what I want you to ask yourself. And I want you to legitimately just sit in this for a second, in this question, sit in this question for just a moment, and that's, why do you think the way you do about sex? Why do you think the way that you do about sex? What has influenced you? You know, think about it like this, is all the time we are getting things inputted into our mind. What what inputs have affected you? Did you know that the way that you grew up has caused you to be influenced a certain way? The friends that you have, your social circle, dictates the way that you think about things? That, uh, you you know, the things that you take in uh, on on TV and the things that you watch on Netflix and on Hulu and on uh, all these different things, the the YouTube videos you watch, who you follow on social media, the Explore page on Instagram, all of this is influencing the way that you think about sex, the music that you listen to. I mean, you really think about this. When was the last time you watched a television series and it didn't include sex in it? When was the last time you saw a movie and it didn't include sex in it? When was the last time you looked at the top 100 songs that are trending in the United States or around the world and most of them include 
something to do with sex, sexuality, relationships. And so it's something that we need to talk about. But why do you, have you ever really examined, why do you view sex the way that you do? And what we're going to talk about tonight, and here's the, here's the deal with this, is we live in a society right now, and I don't think it's anything new to society right now, that's, that's really encouraging, hey, just go explore it. You do your thing when it comes to sex, I'll do my thing when it comes to sex, and, and we can all coexist, it's fine, like we just need to just go in our own lane and go our own path. But do you know how many blurry lines there are with that? Hey, go out, you know what I mean? Go to that party, have a good time, have some drinks and, and do this thing, but don't get too drunk and have sex with somebody because that's wrong. Don't, don't go too far into pornography because that's not right either. Don't go too far with somebody who doesn't want you to go too far because that's wrong as well. And so there's these really blurry lines. It's like, hey, you do your thing and we'll all hold this general standard of like, it's not even truth, it's just kind of this nebulous thing. And I'll hold like my standard and we're all just supposed to like, it's just supposed to work out. But if you took an honest look at what's going on in our world right now, you would say that we're missing something. Look at the Me Too movement. Look at these scandals that we have that go on. We're missing something when it comes to sex. We're missing the mark somewhere. We've elevated sexuality as a defining characteristic instead of seeing what does God's word say about me. And when we look at, at, at something like sex, which let me just be clear, is a gift from God. He created it. He designed it. It is good in the right confines. And it's an awesome thing. It's a thing that, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. And what happens is, is when we leave the parameters that God has laid out for us when it comes to sex, we enter into a dangerous territory. And so I want you to think about this, not in just terms uh, in, in, in looking at sex, but you look at anything, the commands of God. It might seem limiting that he puts these parameters in our lives in place. And it's like, hey, you need to live right in here. This is what God says. You need to live within these parameters because within these parameters, you have hope, you have joy, you have peace, you have security, you have eternal security, you have comfort. God is saying within these parameters, if you will do things the way that I have asked you to, the way you've created, been created to engage in them, that you will have freedom, the ultimate freedom. But we look at these parameters sometimes and we say, no, that, that's not really freedom. And there's a very real spiritual battle going on. And what Satan wants for you to do is he wants you to look outside of those parameters. He wants you to look on the other side of the fence. He wants you to say, hey, look how good that looks, though. On the other side of these parameters, on the other side of the fence, man, the grass is greener on the other side. Do you, do you see that out there? These are the lies of Satan. Yeah, God's just limiting you from that. Nah, that's not truth. Don't you want that? Look how good it looks. Leave these, leave this way behind. That's like old school. It's ancient. It's archaic. Nobody does that anymore. No one cares about that. And what Satan wants you to do, he wants you to cross over. And the grass seems like it's greener on the other side. But underneath the surface, there's landmines everywhere. And when we go outside of the parameters of God, it could destroy our lives. And the same thing goes for sex. That God has laid out a clear path for sex, a clear guide to what sexual relationships are supposed to look like. And when we exit outside of that, we are entering into a danger zone. 
that can take us further than we ever want to go. But so with all these different blurred lines, with all the different things that are going on, what is truth? And that's why we open up God's word and we see, hey God, you created sex. You made it to be good. You made it so that humanity can carry on, right? Like what are, the, what are your guidelines for it? And so while everybody else is trying to figure out just like well, you do your thing and, you, and I'll do my thing, God is saying, no, 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 I have a way. That this is what it was created for. This is the purpose of it. This is the intent of it. And that if you really want sexual freedom, if you don't want to have weight and shame and baggage, engage in it this way. And it's going to be a good thing and a great thing. And uh, one of the things that this got the, before we start to break down really what scripture says about sex is, um, you know, I've been married for five years now. And my wife and I, we had our daughter Nova two years ago. And when this became even more real to me, was that when we went to the hospital, you only can have your, your first child once, right? And so we go to the hospital, and it's just like, there's, there's this butterflies, there's this excitement about what is happening in our lives. And we get to the hospital, and you, you know, this is pre-COVID time, so we had, uh, it, anybody watch Everybody Loves Raymond out there? My, it was kind of like an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. If you don't watch it, um, there was just like, my, my, uh, my, my parents were there, so, and my in-laws were also there. It was pre-COVID, right? Uh, and my wife and I are there. It's like uh, my brother and his, his wife are there as well. It's, it's a family thing. And we're excited about this. And I, I love that moment. I love being able to have everyone there. And uh, just like a, a moment of celebration as it was approaching. And, uh, you know, as uh, my family exited the room, as things got closer to having our daughter, we're talking to our triage nurse. And uh, we're just asking her, like, and, and, and just chatting it up with her. She's like, man, I'm so thankful to have you all as patients today. Because, like, you guys are the rarity. You're a, you're a couple who is married, who is planning to have a child. And it's just so cool to see your family here. And in that moment, I knew, like, in this moment of flourishing for my family, I, I was sad to hear that, like, that's, that's not the norm. And, like, you kind of know that, right? And, and it was just like a moment of a wake-up call to me of, like, we have so deviated from God's plan for sex that in this moment where I get to welcome my daughter, who I love so much, into the world with my wife and that she's coming into a loving family and, like, that's so beautiful of a thing to see. That is my seven years in education as an elementary school PE teacher that I so often saw heartbreak and pain from kids, from broken families. And maybe you're from one of those broken families and you carry that pain. That's tough to see. And I'm not throwing shade at someone who's had a kid outside of marriage. I know plenty of single moms out there, single dads who are crushing it. And that is a, you want to talk about a hard job? They're doing it. And God, God can redeem and reconcile anything, and that can still be a beautiful situation, I promise you, because I've seen it time and time again. But it doesn't mean that that was the way that God had it planned. In Genesis 2.24, God says this. He says, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That he shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. That sex is this unifying event for a man and a woman. 
And then in, in, in going on in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus affirms what is said all the way back in Genesis. And in one of the songs we sang during uh, worship, it said the law and the prophets were fulfilled, right? That what happened in Genesis in the Old Testament, the time before Jesus, all of this was fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. And Jesus affirmed what was said in the Old Testament. And in the book of Matthew, which is one of the gospels of Jesus, talking about his life, in chapter 19, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, who thought they had everything all together, there, amongst these Pharisees, there were religious leaders, there were, there were all these different views about divorce. And these religious leaders come to Jesus, trying to trip him up. They wanted to see him fall. They wanted to see him stumble. And so they're asking him this question. And, and Jesus kind of like in this moment of telling them they missed the mark. This is what he goes back to in affirming Genesis chapter 2. It says, Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so we start to see this like plan that is laid out. It's laid out by God in the book of Genesis. And then it's affirmed by Jesus in Matthew 19 and elsewhere in scripture. We see this is the plan for sex. Like this is the parameters God has put in place for sex. And that within this, there is freedom. There is peace. There is not shame. There is not baggage. It is good. It is healthy. Like that's where, that's where it is. But when we go outside of those parameters, there's pain tied to it. And uh, as we kind of talked about those two passages of scripture, I want, I want to really like uh, kind of wrap up here and, and, and uh, dive into this passage kind of as we close. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. And I want to just kind of walk through this for the next several minutes and kind of break this down. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, what, what it, what, we're going to see this word come out. And it's this word called sexual immorality. And in our culture, that might seem like, what in the world is sexual immorality? That seems weird, right? But when we look at the Greek language that this was written in, and we look at this word for sexual immorality, what, what, is actually, what that word was was actually it was called porneia, right? Porneia. And what that means is sexual immorality. That's like where we get this translation. What that means is illicit sex, sex outside of the confines that God has laid out. That's adultery, that's fornication. That when we see sexual immorality in scripture, this is talking about any deviation from the plan that God has laid forth. And so in this, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul, who's a leader in the early church, is writing to this church at Corinth. They're having some issues that are going on. He's addressing kind of the cultural things that are happening within this church. And he's saying, hey, you need to be on guard for this. There's things going on outside of the parameters God has for sex, and I need to address them. And so this is what Paul says. He says, uh, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise you up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. What on earth does that mean? Like, why is my body, why is my body made for Christ? Like, what? Like, what do I share in? Like, there seems to be this unification going on, but what is it talking about? Is that Jesus was God's son who came to this earth, who lived a perfect and sinless life. He was fully man and fully God, that he came, lived a perfect life, but he was put to death for our sins. He was put to death for our sins and that he was buried and then he rose three days later and he was resurrected and that we share in that bodily, like when we accept Jesus, Romans, I mean, in Romans, we see that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. That if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That when we accept Christ and enter into a relationship with him, there's something that happens inside of us. Like there's this unification with God that our bodies are no longer just our bodies, that they were made for Christ and we share in his death, burial, and resurrection. That our physical bodies have a purpose, right? And it's not just up to us what happens with them. It's not just up to us what happens to our physical bodies. Our physical bodies have a purpose. And that they're members of Christ. And, and Paul's saying here, shall you take the members of Christ and, and join them with a prostitute? Like, no, that's not at all it. Saying that, that our bodies weren't meant for sexual immorality. Our bodies were meant to honor Christ. Our bodies were meant for the purposes of Christ. And moving on in verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. What does it look like to flee from sexual immorality? It doesn't mean to dabble in it, to sit there and be like, well, and this is what I think sometimes that we get wrong. It's like, well, my sexual sin isn't that, so I really don't need to worry about it that much. Or, I, I mean, I know I've, I've made some mistakes, but I don't, I don't really need to sit in it that much. Maybe what I'm doing isn't as bad as somebody else, or uh, I just kind of, I'm just like dabbling in it. But what Paul is saying right here is he's saying flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Run from it. Get away from it. And when I think about this, and you might be thinking this in here tonight, is that, well, when I get married, I won't have to worry about that anymore. I won't need to like flee from sexual immorality because it's just gonna be fine. Like, I'll be good. I'll be okay. Marriage is not like the be all end all of it. If you're thinking that like when you get married that you're just never gonna have to worry about this again, you're wrong our whole lives we're going to flee from sexual immorality. Our whole lives are going to be spent fleeing from the sin 
in our lives. We're trying to run from that, get away from it, get away from the temptations of Satan to look outside of the parameters and say that, yeah, this is, that's what I want. No. And it's funny because I've been married for five years now. And I was talking to Jared about this. It's like, it's funny how Satan will still come in and he'll try and say, you want that though. Don't, do you see that? The temptations still come. And the funny part is, is that like when you can see it, you just kind of laugh at like, I'm not going there. Nope, that's not for me. We're to flee from sexual immorality in our lives. And at the back half of this, uh, this verse, it says this, it says, every person commits a sin outside the body, but the sexual immor- sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Some of y'all already know this, that there is a weight to this situation. That it, that it like, it does something to us because sex is a powerful thing that God created to be good. But when we do it outside of the confines he set forth, outside of his parameters, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that go along with it. Man, when we look at sexual immorality and we, and we, 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 we kind of evaluate what it is, it's, it's, it's just casual sex. It's sex while you're just living with somebody. It's pornography use. Sexual assault. Sex while you're just engaged to somebody. All these different things are what are outside of what God has set forth. And it seems so harmless, right? It's just porn. It's just between me and nobody else. But when you start to cross that parameter, there are landmines everywhere that can destroy your life, that can take you further than you ever want to go. And what Paul is saying here is that in any of those things in dealing with sexual immorality, that you are to flee from it, to run from it, to get away from it. Because the hurt and pain that goes along with it, it runs deep. And it's something to be taken serious. And the following two verses, he says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. What does it mean to be bought for a price? Some of you in here tonight might have a low view of yourself. And honestly, many, many times, sexual sin is tied to a low view of yourself and not understanding that you were made in the image of God and that your life has purpose and that you can have eternal security in the hope of Christ. Because you were bought with a price, that he came and he lived a perfect and sinless life a life that you and I could never live because we have sin. We have things we've messed up. We've fallen short. And Jesus on the cross for us paid that price. And then all we have to do to receive that gift is to accept it. 
That's all we have to do to receive that gift is to accept it, to confess our sins and know that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise of God. And here's the deal, is that when we do that, when we accept that sacrifice that Jesus made, what does it tell us right here? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not of your own. That if you are a believer in here, if you accept Christ, that you actually have God, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of your heart to guide your life, and that your body is a temple. Like maybe that's totally polar opposite of the view that you've had. Might be completely different. But what God says is, hey, I'm dwelling inside of you. I've got this temple. Like, and you're, you're it. Like the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. That's a powerful thing. And here's the deal. Here's the deal with this. If you're in here and you have some struggles in the area of sexual purity, you would say that my life is actually marked by sexual immorality. Do you wanna know how you have victory over that? You can't forgive yourself. Only Jesus can do that. And you're not gonna continue to have victory unless you have the Holy Spirit in your life, working on your heart, guiding you day in and day out. That as we look at like, what's my battle plan? How can I have victory? How can I win this fight? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that this is probably, listen, this topic right here is one of the greatest things that is gonna face our generation and the generations behind us. And we need to know that you, like I need you to understand this, that when it comes to sexual purity, that you can have victory. You might be so beaten down in here and you might feel so depressed, so lonely, so isolated. No one else struggles the way I do. You don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know what baggage I carry. And God is saying, I can take your sins and I can remove them and move them as far as the East is from the West. Do we believe that? Do you, if you're a believer in here, Tonight, do you really believe that God can give you victory, not just in the area of sexual purity, but in any area of your life? Sometimes I gotta be honest with you, I struggle to feel that. God, are you sure? Because it sure does not feel like it. God, can you really give me victory in this? You don't know how long I've struggled. Have you, do you go to God and have you prayed about it? Have you asked God to give you victory? And I believe that he can. One of the most powerful things that you can do is you can confess and you can talk to somebody. And we'll have people up here, if you need to come down to the altar after the service and like pray with someone, you can. If that's like, you're like, I'm out on that. You can come and talk to someone at Next Steps. If you see someone you know that you trust, you need to talk to them about what's going on in your life. James 5.16 says that we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and, and like, there's a power in confessing your sins to one another. There's a power in that, that you can have victory. And tonight, February, you know, February 23rd in 2021 could be the night where you have victory in your life. 
Why couldn't it be tonight? And a lot of times people say, well, when it deals with sexual sin, it's a process and like, you're gonna have to wait through it. And that very much might be the case. It can take time for God to sanctify and work on your heart. And it might be a process and it might be an ongoing battle. And I believe that's the case for many, many people. But I also believe that God can break the chains of your bondage tonight. That God can break the chains of your past mistakes tonight. But you've gotta let him in on it. You gotta let him in on it. What would it look like if as a community, as a group of a people, we just said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna pursue God's design for sex. There's a lot of ideas out there, but we're gonna pursue God's design for sex. And we're gonna approach it from like, we need sexual purity in our lives. What would happen in our community? What would happen for your future families, for future generations? I think it's time we take a stand in this area and we commit to it. Are you gonna fight? Are you gonna be continue to just be influenced by whatever the world says? Or are you gonna go to God's word and you say, well, I'm gonna commit to that and I'm gonna fight for it. I just wanna ask you to bow your heads and pray.